Can you be a Christian and believe in evolution? Do you need to ignore science to be a creationist? Blending evolution with the Bible today on Creation Magazine Live. God's Word, the Bible, is an accurate account of creation and it tells us how people can have a relationship with the Creator. Honoring God and explaining aspects of His Word is the focus of this podcast. Welcome to Creation Magazine Live. My name is Calvin Smith. And I'm Richard Fangrad. And this week we're talking about the question, can you be a Christian and believe in evolution? Now we've asked a number of theologians and scientists this question, and uh, we'll, we'll share their thoughts on this next half hour, but we can start by just simply answering the question, <laughs> can you be a Christian and believe in evolution? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> now, uh, First up, we asked uh, Dr. Rob Carter, he's a, a geneticist with our U.S. office, uh, one of the uh, scientists down there, and uh, so we posed this question to him, and this is what he said. Uh, yes, a person can be a Christian and believe in evolution at the same time. If you look in the New Testament, the requirements for salvation are just a couple of things. Believe that Jesus Christ is God, believe that He died for your sins, and that's it. It doesn't make any other statement. So there are a lot of doctrinal positions after that that a person can work on and develop. But the age of the earth, um, creation versus evolution, is not a, a dividing line between saved and unsaved. And if you think about it, if you look in the, in the world today, most people who are not Christians are evolutionists. So when a person gets saved, they're an evolutionist. So you, by default, most people early on are evolutionists and, and Christians at the same time. As Dr. Rob Carter said, um, the, the requirements for becoming a Christian are simple. Um, as we read in Romans uh, 10.9, it says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's right. the requirements yep. for being a Christian. And he also mentioned the point that when he became a Christian, he was an evolutionist. Right. And, and many people, when they become Christians, they're evolutionists. And so, yeah, obviously you can be a Christian and be an evolutionist. Right. But... Is, it, is evolution consistent with the Bible? Right. Is it okay to hold those views consistently? Those are two different questions. They're, they're two different questions, that's right. And now we're getting into the details. Right. We asked Pastor Joe Boot. Uh, Joe, is, uh, he likes to debate atheists and that kind of thing. He speaks all over the world. And, uh, and he had this to say about this question. You can be a Christian uh, and believe in evolution. I don't think you can be a consistent one. I think you'll be, and by that I mean, I think I don't think you can have an, uh, uh, a comprehensive, coherent Christian worldview. I think a Christian who believes in evolution struggles with, inescapably, a uh, dialectical tension. That is, uh, you have two warring concepts that are alien to one another, and you're always trying somehow to wed these two warring concepts together. Now, Pastor Boot also agrees that one can be a Christian and an evolutionist, but mentions that it will result in some unavoidable theological inconsistencies. Right. Uh, Dr. Danny Faulkner. Uh, yes. When, when we talked with him, you know, he's an astronomer and a professor at, uh, at the University of South Carolina, and, and he said this. I believe a person can be born again, truly a born again person and, and believe in evolution. I've known a number of people who I'm convinced their salvation is genuine, yet believe in evolution. Uh, the problem there is they're wrong about, about evolution, but you know, we're all fallible people. We all have wrong ideas. Uh, I'm sure some of my ideas are wrong. If, if I knew where, I would change them. Uh, but those are things to be decided by other people and with time and perhaps even myself after a while. Um, I, 
the problem we have with evolution is the fact that it, it does undercut important doctrinal things in Christianity. If the world is billions of years old, that seems to fly in the face of what the clear chronologies in Scripture seem to suggest to us. Uh, if there was struggle over a long period of time, then it raises questions of, of when did death enter into the world? Did it come a result of sin or was it always there from the beginning? That again undercuts uh, again some things dealing with salvation. Was there a literal Adam and Eve? Where did they come from? Were they, was, was Adam formed from the dust of the ground or did he evolve from some ape? Did Eve really come from his side or was she co-evolved with him at the same time? Uh, if Adam and Eve don't really exist, that raises very severe questions because they are referenced in the New Testament in Romans and in, in 1 Corinthians very clearly dealing with uh, salvation. So it's very, very important to know what you believe there. So it raises all sorts of questions of integrity of Scripture, the coherence of Scripture, uh, the consistency from uh, from the Old Testament to the New Testament. And so I, I think that uh, while I don't doubt the salvation necessarily of people who are evolutionists, I think that they, they really have some serious theological and philosophical problems that they've perhaps not completely thought out. And, and I think it's important as we creationists to point these out and try to show to people that the point of evolution is to give a naturalistic explanation of how we and the world came to be, apart from God. And if we really believe that God is responsible for the world, its existence as their creator, then we really ought to start with him. We should not start with what man teaches and then try to imprint uh, some sort of Christian uh, facade onto that. We we should start from the from the proper direction, not going the opposite direction. Now, the inconsistencies between evolution and the Bible that Dr. Faulkner listed there, uh, they're not some obscure points. These are main points here. They right. touch on foundational doctrines that Christians hold dear. The the short answer is yes. You can be a Christian and uh, and and believe in evolution, but there's more to it than that. Right. Uh, sometimes when we answer this kind of question in a Q&A, we say, yes, of course you can be. Sometimes even our supporters, they get kind of upset. Now, yeah. the, the reason why yeah. is because they can see these massive inconsistencies between what the Bible says and what, what evolution says, but we just need to be careful. You know, we say, yes, of course you can be a Christian and believe in evolution, but that doesn't mean there's not any problems with that. So we actually asked Gary Bates, he's the CEO of our uh, U.S. office, uh, speaks on the subject all the time, and, uh, and he actually highlighted some of these problems. Everything I profess to know and understand about the Christian faith is derived primarily from one source, the Bible. My need for salvation, how I should live my life, where I'm going to go when I die. But if I say parts of that Bible are not authoritative or they're wrong, then how do I determine the truth claims about those things? How do I determine the claims of the Lord Jesus himself when he says, I am he, no one comes to the Father except through me? Or Paul writes, there is one mediator between man and God. Certainly, um, our Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ, he believed in a, in a literal genesis. He affirmed it many, many times. There's over 100 quotes or references in the New Testament, specifically to Genesis 1 of 11. That's talking about the creation account, the flood, the dispersal after the flood, the Tower of Babel, the dispersal after that. Every single New Testament author has referenced or quoted from Genesis 1 of 11. And, you know, it's interesting, often I'll go to churches and I'll say to people, folks, where do you think the gospel begins? And the most common answer I get is the New Testament. But the whole of the New Testament and its doctrines are derived upon what happened in the Old Testament, and particularly the book of Genesis, and the very need for our salvation, why we needed a saviour, savior, 
is grounded in the book of Genesis. And, you know, quite simply, if, you know, if there was no literally very good creation in the beginning, no literal Adam and Eve, no literal fall that brought in a literal curse and brought literal death into the world, then quite simply we don't, need to, we don't literally need a saviour. Now Gary highlighted the fact that the gospel begins with Genesis. Uh, the belief that Jesus paid for our sins implies that there exists a holy God and we've, uh, we've, we've offended that holy God and we've right. established there's a penalty and the penalty is death uh, for offending God and so on. But why does our breakdown in the relationship with God, uh, our failure to keep his laws, result in any penalty at all? Why are those things that way? Right. Well, we find the answer, of course, in the first three chapters of Genesis. Right. Uh, we see that our first parents, Adam and Eve, uh, were created with a holy, godly nature. They lived in fellowship with God, but they chose to rebel against him. And so they became corrupt themselves, uh, hostile to God, and, of course, guilty before him. Right. Yeah, their rebellion was an affront to the whole, to God's holiness, and that incurred the penalty of death. And they were aware of this since God gave them very warned them in Genesis here in verse uh, in chapter two, verse seventeen. But from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. Right. So in this warning, even before uh, Adam sinned, we, we we see a connection between his sin, rebellion against God, and the penalty of death. And it wasn't just a spiritual death. Adam's sin broke his relationship with God yes. and affected all of his descendants. Right? We were all in Adam when he, when he fell. Understanding uh, how the relationship was broken helps us understand what God's done to fix it. Right? Yes. Not just the, the problem, but the solution. He pays the price and offers a free gift uh, as means of restoring the broken relationship, as it says in Romans 5, 15 to 19. Now, as I read this text, watch for the links between Adam and us. And, and Christ in just this one short text. For if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. And the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin. For the judgment following one trespass brought, brought condemnation, but the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. For if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as one trespass led to the condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification of life for all men. For as by the one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience the many will be made righteous. So the, 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 the events in Genesis provide a basis for understanding why all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There's a famous verse in Romans 3.23. And the basis also for understanding why the wages of sin is death. Right. Romans 6.23. The reason God can give us eternal life is because he himself, Jesus, paid the wages of sin. Right. He paid death. Now many people who try to blend evolution with the Bible, blend evolution with, with uh, Genesis and so on, haven't thought through the implications. Pastor Joe Boot has more to say on that topic. Most of the theistic evolutionists I know who want to talk to me about this are distressed people. Um, and they're, always, uh, they're often troubled by Scripture, by things they find in Scripture. They're often trying to explain things away in Scripture. Uh, not just troubled by uh, books that challenge the evolutionary arguments from a 
biological, chemical, or physical perspective, but troubled by Scripture itself because there are, there are warring concepts that they are seeking to wed, and they refuse to be wed. And so you can be a Christian, but you will find that there is a difficulty in defending your worldview with well-informed, consistent atheists. So if we go with evolution, then we evolve from apes. Humans did not come from Adam because Adam never existed. Um, so if Adam never existed, then he didn't sin. If Adam didn't sin, then he didn't reap the penalty of death as a result of that sin. If Adam didn't sin and then die then the link between sin and death was not established by Adam. At some point, we need to ask, what was Paul talking about here? If Adam never existed, what was Paul's narrative about? Exactly. There's so many links there in, in, in the passage that Cal just read uh, of, of the first Adam and the last Adam and so on. And, and the basis for not only understanding how the relationship with God was broken, but the basis for how it can be restored. And I mean, that is the central message of Christianity, right. how we as humans can be reconciled with a holy God. Right. That's, I mean, that, that's, that's what it's all about, folks. But if, if evolution is true, You've got massive problems there. If you add evolution to the Bible and work it through to its logical conclusion, you have the destruction of all of Christianity. Right. So, sure, you can answer the question, can you be a, a Christian and be an evolutionist? Of course you can, because the requirements for being saved, a saved believer, is clearly laid out. But it's when yeah. you make that, you know, and, and that's, that's an uninformed person really you can become saved etc yes but like yeah. you said as you keep working that out uh, logically you, you'll come to some wrong conclusions right and there's there's a lot more we could say about this if, if you want more some more information there's an article that covers many of the details you can go to creation.com slash must believe and there's a, a whole lot uh, many more details than we're able to get to on the program this week we need to be clear because people often hear that okay are you saying then you can't believe in science so you, if, if you're a Christian, you can't believe in science because people equate evolution with science. Right. right? That's the typical idea. Yeah. Well, but that, of course, that's not true at all. Uh, Christianity fits beautifully with science. Evolution isn't science. It's history. It's a belief about the past. Science has to do with, with dis discovering things in the present. Right. So that's one of the keys to understanding this issue because since people, most people, you know, they've been taught that evolution is science in school, etc. They think that, well, if you're going to be a thinking person, you've just got to accept this. Right. And so uh, it becomes a case of academic, you know, respectability. If yes. I don't believe in this, yeah. people are going to think I'm dumb, etc. So uh, uh, here's Joe Boot. Here's what he has to say about that. Uh, and I find, in my experience, a lot of people have not taken that position uh, where they're trying to wed evolution with Christianity always from a considered perspective where they've really thought the issue through and thought through the theological and philosophical implications. It's because they believe that that is the only way you can really be academically respectable and you've got to be some sort of wacko fundamentalist over here to, to, to really believe in, in creation. I mean, how can anybody believe in creation? Uh, so you have that kind of um, uh, intellectual elitism. So Christians can, can fully accept all observations made by evolutionists, right? We're all observing the same things. So the origins debate isn't, isn't a debate about observations. It's a debate uh, uh, over history, not science. 
Yes, exactly. And Joe joked about the, the, the caricature of the, the young earth creationists or the Christian as this wacko fundamentalist and so on. But that is a caricature. Right. At, at Creation Ministries International, at the, the organization that produces these, these shows, we employ scientists to do research and, in effect, to do the heavy lifting, right. the, the research for the church internationally to, uh, to, so, so that we can understand what's going on in science. We don't, we don't run away from science. We run toward it. Right. Uh, it it's exactly the opposite. We're, we, we subscribe to the latest evolutionary, to the, the evolutionary journals that are out there so that we know what's going on. Right. We want to know the latest discoveries in science. Now, unfortunately, most of these are they're often written up with all kinds of evolutionary framework around it. And what we want to do is, is, uh, is deal with that properly. Right. So what our scientists and researchers do, we kind of strip away that evolutionary spin that's placed on the, the facts that are found, right, and the data. And then what happens um, is you find that it fits beautifully with, with biblical creation. But, you know, we just want to point out, sure, you can be a, a, a Christian and believe in evolution, but there are massive inconsistencies between those positions. And atheists have, have pointed this out. Uh, for example, uh, Frank Zindler. Uh, in an atheist uh, debate with a with a Christian on the existence of God, said this in, in a debate. He said the most devastating thing, though, that biology did to Christianity was the discovery of biological evolution. Now that we know that Adam and Eve never were real people, the central myth of Christianity is destroyed. If there never was an Adam and Eve, there never was an original sin. If there never was an original sin, then there's no need of salvation. If there's no need of salvation, then there's no need of a savior. And I submit that puts Jesus, historical or otherwise, into the ranks of the unemployed. I think that evolution is absolutely the death knell of Christianity. And we've mentioned things like this before on previous programs, uh, trying to combine uh, and, and many people try to do that today, combine evolution and Christianity. Right. But even atheists recognize that, th that there's problems, there's inconsistencies. And from a Christian perspective, we recognize those things as well. Well, and, and many people that once called themselves Christians, actually they will point to evolution as the reason why they say they are no longer uh, a Christian, uh, etc. So yeah. e even though there's, there's all this support for our faith, you know, we don't want to have a blind faith. Um, you know, th there is a lot of pressure to accept what the, what the world teaches in, in academic sure. yeah. circles. Yeah. We need to recognize that. Um, here's another comment from Pastor Boot. Can we feel pressured to believe that if we accept the biblical, the, the, the uh, obvious and clear and plain reading of Scripture in this matter, that we will be laughed at by the cultural elite? And that may well be true. Uh, but uh, the Christian will in invariably struggle with this tension because they are trying to bring together uh, and live with a fundamental inconsistency. And, and I think, as somebody who's been in debates, public debates with atheists uh, on a consistent basis, that I would have great difficulty as a Christian uh, trying to defend my biblical convictions, my Christian convictions consistently, i.e. Christian theism, not bare theism, not a rationalistic debate about the idea of God, but Christian theism without a robust understanding, a Christian perspective on creation. So if you're trying to blend creation and evolution together, uh, you're going to struggle with fully accepting creation. You're, you're going to struggle putting these things together. Uh, um, our number one recommendation, if you're, if you're struggling with us, our number one recommendation is Creation Magazine. It's a, here we're doing Creation Magazine Live. Right. The kind of information that you hear Calvin and I talking about on this program is the kind of thing that you get in Creation Magazine. Right. It's a fantastic 
equipping tool that goes out to thousands of people all around the world. And if you want to sign up for that, you just go to our website, creation.com slash creation dash magazine. It's a tremendous tool. Matt H. from the United Kingdom, he was writing in response to an uh, article we had called Being Prepared uh, to Facing the Tough Questions. And really the point he was trying to make is that you know most people really aren't familiar with how science is done. Right. And so then he, yeah. he was feeling that w the way we are explaining science, et cetera, was really uh, not, not the way science should be. And, and he had some points to make. And then uh, Dr. Carl Whelan responded to that, of course. All right, and he's quoting Carl's article here. He said, your article stated, this is especially so when it comes to science of the past, especially origins, which is value-laden, interpretation-dependent, and assumption-based, even to a greater, uh, to, to an even greater idea than everyday operational or experimental science. Now, that's, he's quoting our article there. Right, and, and saying that most people don't understand about those Yeah, so here's his comment on that. Yeah. This statement concerned me a great deal. I've often heard creationists, same data, different interpretation. This couldn't be more further from the truth. Data is analyzed, not interpreted. The, the analysis of data is used to obtain general trends from a data set which, from which unique conclusions can then be made. And then he continues, the terms operational science and origin science are used only in creationist literature, and you won't find them in any textbook of any worth. And uh, here's Carl's response. Carl responded this way. We'll just read this because Carl does a pretty good job of responding. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, one truly wishes that there were more emphasis on philosophy of science in undergraduate studies, perhaps even in high school. The analysis versus interpretation distinction you wish to draw is both fluid and variable. By your own opening statements, you show yourself, you, you show how you yourself are referring to operational science. Let me see if I can spell it out clearly, Carl says. Operational science is all about how the world operates, hence the name. In the present, for example, what, what matter is made of, what are, what are the observed regularities in molecular biology. The other methodology is all about establishing what happened in the past, and clearly the same approach does not easily transpose between the two. Right. Examples of disciplines using historical science, archaeology, paleontology, Carl, Carl suggests. So that they're, they're not the same, and yeah, okay, those, those terms appear in creationist literature. Right. They're there for a reason. We're trying to highlight that there are differences, that, it, that they should be different. Yes. There is a different way of approaching origins versus what we see in the world around us today. That's right. And Carl continues this way. Clearly, the world and human reasoning are far too complex to fit things too neatly into such boxes. But they're extremely useful and important ways to keep the issues of, to keep the issues of interpretation and the role of assumptions and bias in such interpretation at the forefront of the discussion. And a little bit later, Carl says, finally, your last four words, uh, for example, the past and present data, there's no such thing as past data. Right. He just points that out again. And, and we... We find ourselves pointing this out over and over again. Right. This just isn't discussed among leading evolutionists, among any evolutionist, it seems. Right. There's data in the present, and then we talk about the past. We don't have data in the past. We live in the present. We only have data in the present. That's right. So we make these distinctions because there aren't a lot of people doing so, but many people, once you've made the distinction, they go, oh, yeah. Yeah, right. We observe these things here, but if we're talking about something that's happened in the past, uh, better an eyewitness than basically guesses.
You've been listening to the podcast version of Creation Magazine Live, produced by Creation Ministries International. With offices internationally and more scientists on staff than any Christian ministry, you can find loads of faith-supporting articles on our massive website, creation.com. Check it out. 